Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, at the end of the last chapter, what happened? Um, Sunny bit the peg leg. Yeah. <clears throat> and what happened? Half of a broom. Yeah. And then his leg popped out. My leg, and he was like, oh my gosh, it's a dream come true. It grew back. Oh, I don't think he said that yet, but maybe um, he will. In the movie, it says Oh, okay. That. So I'm just... Okay, yeah. All right, series of unfortunate events. Look away, look away. We haven't done that in a long time. I know, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Okay, Um, book the third, the wide window. Chapter 13, and this is the last one. Lucky number 13. Mr. Poe looked astonished. Violet looked relieved. Klaus looked assogged. I don't know what that means. Oh, okay, here he goes. Which is in fan- is a fancy word for relieved that he had learned by reading a magazine article. Sonny looked triumphant. The person who looked like neither a man nor a woman looked disappointed. And Count Olaf, it is such a relief to call him by his true name, at first looked afraid. But in a blink... One of his shiny eye, he twisted his face to make it look as astonished as Mr. Poe's. <gasps> my leg, Olaf cried in a voice false of joy. My leg has grown back. It is an amazing thing. It is wonderful. It is a medicinal miracle. What did I say? Yep, that is what you said. Oh, come now, said Mr. Poe, folding his arms. That won't work. Even a child can see that your pig leg was false. A child did see it, Violet whispered to Klaus. Three children, in fact. Well, maybe the pig leg was false, Count Olaf admitted, and took a step backward. But I have never seen this tattoo in my life. Oh, come on, Mr. Poe said again. That won't work either. You tried to hide the tattoo with the peg leg, but now we can see that you are really Count Olaf. Well, maybe the tattoo is mine, said Count Olaf, uh, Count Olaf admitted, and took another step backwards. But I am not this Count Olaf person. I am Captain Sham. See, I have a business card here that says so. Oh, come on now, Mr. Poe said yet again. That won't work. Anyone can go print a shop and have a card, go to a print shop and have cards made that say anything they'd like. Well, maybe I am not Captain Sham, Count Olaf admitted, but these still children still belong to me. Josephine said, said that they did. Oh, come on now, Mr. Poe said for the fourth and final time. That won't work. Aunt Josephine left the children to Captain Sham, not to Count Olaf. You are Count Olaf, not Captain Sham. So it is once again up to me to decide who will care for the Baudelaire's. 
I will send these three youngsters somewhere else, and I will send you to jail. You have perform- performed your evil deeds for the last time, Olaf. You tried to steal the Baudelaire's fortune by marrying Violet. You tried to steal the Baudelaire fortune by murdering Uncle Monty. And this, Count Olaf growled, this was my greatest plan yet. He reached up and tore off his eye patch. It was fake, of course, like his peg leg. And you stared and stared at the Baudelaire's with both of his shiny eyes. I don't like to brag, actually, why I should... I don't like to brag. Actually, why should I lie to you fools anymore? I love to brag. And forcing that stupid old woman to write that note was really something to brag about. What a ninny Josephine was. She was not a ninny, Klaus cried. She was kind and sweet. Sweet, Count Olaf repeated with a horrible smile. (laughs) Well, at this very moment, the lake... Lacrimose leeches are probably finding their her very sweet indeed. She might be the sweetest breakfast they ever ate. Mr. Poe frowned and coughed into his white handkerchief. That's enough of your revolting talk, Count Olaf, he said sternly. We've caught you now, and there's no way you're going to be getting away with this. The lake lacrimose police will be happy to capture a known criminal wanted for fraud murder and the endangerment of children in arson count olaf piped up i said that's enough mr poe growled count arson i don't know what that means fire like setting something on fire um count olaf the baudelaire orphans and even the massive creature Looked surprised that Mr. Poe had spoken so sternly. You have preyed upon these children for the last time, and I am making absolute sure that you are handed over to the proper authorities. Disguising yourself won't work. Telling lies won't work. In fact, there's nothing at all that you can do about your decision. Really, Count Olaf said, and his filthy lips curved up into a smile. I think of something that I can do. And what, Mr. Poe said, is that? Count Olaf looked at each one of the Baudelaire orphans, giving them a smile as if the children were tiny chocolates that he was saving to eat for later. Then he smiled that massive cre- at the massive creature, and then slowly he smiled at Mr. Poe. I can run, he said, and run. Count Olaf ran with the massive creature lumbering behind him in direction of the heavy metal gate. Get back here, Mr. Poe shouted. Get back here in the name of the law. Get back here in the name of justice and righteousness. Get back here in the name of mul... Oh, gosh, what's that word? Mulituary? Mulitu- oh, God. The- you know what? This book makes me feel like a ding-dong. Money management. We can't just shout at, at them, Mr. Er, Violet shouted. Come on, we have to chase them. I'm not going to allow children to chase after a man like that, said Mr. Poe, and called out again. Stop, I say, right there. We can't let them escape, Klaus cried. Come on, Violet, come on, Sonny. No, no, this is not the job for children, Mr. Poe said. Wait here with your sister, Klaus. I'll retrieve them. They won't get away from Mr. Poe. You there, stop. But 
We can't wait here, Violet cried. We have to get a sail we have to get into a sailboat and look for Aunt Josephine. She may still be alive. The Baudelaire children looked under my that you Baudelaire children are under my care, Mr. Poe said firmly. I am not going to let small children sail around unaccompanied. But if we hadn't sailed around unaccompanied, as Klaus pointed out, we'd be in Count Olaf's Olaf's clutches by now. That's not the point, Mr. Poe said, and began to walk quickly towards Count Olaf and the creature. The point is, the children didn't hear the point over the loud slam of the metal gate. The creature had slammed it shut just as Mr. Poe reached it. Stop immediately, Mr. Poe ordered, calling through the gate. Come back here, you unpleasant person, he tried, opening the tall gate and found it locked. It's locked, he cried to the children. Where's the key? We must find the key. The Baudelaire's rushed to the gate and stopped as they heard jingling around. I have the keys, said Count Olaf from the other side of the gate, but don't worry. I'll see you orphans very soon. Open this gate immediately, Mr. Poe yelled. But of course, nobody opened the gate. He took it, he shook it and shook it, but that spiky metal gate never opened. Mr. Poe hurried to a phone booth and called the police, but the children knew that by the time help arrived, Count Olaf would be long gone. Utterly exhausted and more than utterly miserable, the Baudelaire orphans sank to the ground, sitting gloomily in the very same spot they were found that we found them in the beginning of this story. In the first chapter, you will remember that the Baudelaire's were sitting on their suitcases, hoping that their lives were were about to get a little bit better. And I wish I could tell you here that the end of this story, that was so. I wish I could write that Count Olaf was captured and tried to f- when he tried to flee, or that Aunt Josephine came swimming up to Democle's dock, having miraculously escaped from the <sighs> lack of leashes. <sighs> but that is not so. The children sat on the damp ground. Count Olaf was already halfway across the lake, and would soon be halfway. Oh, and soon would soon board a train disguised as a rab a rabbi to fool the police. And I'm sorry to tell you that he was already concocting another scheme to steal the Baudelaire's fortune. And now we can never know exactly what happened to Aunt Josephine as the children sat on the dock, unable to help her. But I will say that eventually, about the time when the Baudelaire orphans were forced to attend a miserable boarding school, two fishermen found both of Aunt Josephine's life jackets and in tattered and all tattered and floating alone in the murky waters of Lake Lacrimose. In most stories, as you know, the villain would be defeated and there would be a happy ending and everybody would go home knowing the moral of the story. But in this case, the Baudelaire's everything was wrong. Count Olaf the villain had not succeeded with this evil plan, but he certainly hadn't been defeated either. You certainly don't say that there was a happy ending, and the Baudelaire's could not go home knowing the moral, moral of the story for some simple reason as they could not go home at all. Not only had Josephine's house fallen into the lake, but the Baudelaire's real home, the house where they lived with their parents was just a pile of ashes in a vacant lot, and they couldn't go back no matter how much they wanted to. But even if they could go home, it would be difficult for me to tell you 
what was the moral of the story. In some stories, it's easy. The moral of the three bears, for instance, is never break into someone else's house. The moral of Snow White is never eat apples. The moral of the World War I is never assist Archduke Fernadad. Oh, Ferdinand. But Violet, Klaus, and Sunny sat on the dock and watched the sun come up over Lake Lacrimose and wondered exactly what the moral of this of their time with Aunt Josephine was. The expression, it dawned on them, which I'm about to use, does not have anything to do with the sunlight spreading over Dermalkle's dock. It dawned on them simply means that they figured something out as the Baudelaire orphans sat and watched the deck fill with people's businesses of the day be- as the day began. They figured out something that was very important to them. It dawned on them... <sighs> It dawned on them that unlike Aunt Josephine, who had lived up in that house, sad and alone, the three children had another, had one another for comfort and support over the course of their miserable lives. And while that did not make them feel entirely safe or entirely happy, it made them feel appreciative. Thank you, Klaus Violet said appreciatively for figuring out that note and thank you Sonny, for stealing the keys to the sailboat if it weren't for the two of you we would now be in count olaf's clutches thank you violet said to klaus thank you violet klaus said appreciatively for thinking of the peppermints to gain us some time and thank you Sonny, for biting the peg leg just at the right moment if it weren't for you two we would not we would be doomed now Plumis said Sunny appreciatively, and her siblings understood at once she was thankful that Violet thankful for Violet for inventing this the signaling device that and thanking Klaus for the real reading atlas and guiding them to curdled cave. They leaned up against one another appreciatively, and small smiles appeared on their damp, anxious faces. They had each other. And I'm not sure that the Baudelaire's had each other is the most is the moral of this story, but the three siblings, it to them it was enough. They have each other in the midst of this unfortunate lives. It felt like having a sailboat in the middle of a hurricane. So to the Baudelaire orphans, this felt very fortunate indeed. I think the end. Is it the end? The end. Are you asleep, Peyton? How do you fall asleep so fast? I feel like you're just awake. Okay, well, I'm talking to myself. 